Yo, welcome back to your favorite podcast. This is the Five Spot. I'm your host, Alvin McDab, Jar with Armando Segarra, and we are definitely going to dive right into it. Start a little bit of college football. We got big game coming up. Big game with Jim Harbaugh uh, versus the Washington Huskies. I can't even say the head coach because the, this is more about I want to say the Washington Huskies and the success that they've had, not just this year, but leading to this particular game. And I say that because of all the, the moves that they've made, the progress that they've made in the Pac-12. Obviously, we know about the moves that are going to be made as far as uh, what teams are moving to what what conferences uh, and the decisions that have been made at this particular point. But this game has so much meaning because it has two game, two teams that no one really expected to be in this national championship game with two quarterbacks, two young quarterbacks, that could possibly become the future of the NFL. Uh, Armando, when you look at this game and the matchup, early on, did you think, oh, wow, this is a great Penix versus J.J. McCarthy? Or do you look at it in a sense of the explosion on offense from Washington and the hard-nosed defensive play from the defensive line uh, again with the Michigan Wolverines. Well, so Donovan, I'm stunned that you don't remember that when we started doing the show at the beginning of this football season, I sent you an email. Uh, maybe it went to your spam or straight to your trash. <laughs> like most of my emails do to you oh. where I told you, um, hello, Mr. McNabb. Um, let me just start off by predicting that Washington and Michigan will play in the national championship <laughs> game uh, in, in January. And by the way, uh, I'm happy to be on the five spot podcast. You don't remember that email that I sent you? That you might have been back with like MySpace or <laughs> when we didn't have the internet. <laughs> um, man. So the, in 2024, in the 2024 season, this game would never happen. Right. Because Washington is leaving the pack, is leaving the pack 12, soon to be the pack three, right. or whatever it is, and going to the Big Ten. So this game would never happen, which tells you how messed up potentially college football is. Right. It's like, right. it, 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 as far as, delineating you know who's playing in the playoffs right i guess when they expand it'll be different right. um you mentioned jj mccarthy <laughs> it, uh, i'm the only one on earth that doesn't get it i i look at him and i think to myself okay that's a solid solid college quarterback but do i think he's gonna be like this high round draft pick, great quarterback in the NFL. I'm not there yet. And I would need someone who knows a lot more about it than me to explain that to me. So you have to get, you go, <laughs> you explain that one. Well, I think with, with JJ McCarthy, I think the evaluation for a lot of uh, evaluators and decision makers uh, they love his. They love his size and ability. And I think where the game has changed now is every coach is looking for a mobile quarterback because the game has changed in that direction. And JJ McCarthy has the ability to get outside the pocket and buy time. The thing that I think opens up people's eyes, and not, nor am I saying that he's on the level of Penix. Uh, I don't think he's on that top tier level of top four quarterbacks that are coming out of the draft. But he's in that second tier. And I say that because of, number one, the offense that he's run at the University of Michigan um, shows that he can play in a pro-style offense. Two, uh, it's not like he's throwing to dynamic receivers. Uh, and he's shown that he can, he can throw the football around the field and, and be efficient with it. But he's also shown the, the bottom part of it that he can really be inconsistent. And I say that because when you watch J.J. McCarthy, he doesn't wow you with anything. Uh, and playing in the Big Ten, you know, it's not many quarterbacks that are going to, you know, show uh, that they're top top elite type of quarterbacks because they run the football effectively in the Big Ten. And that, if you can't run the football in the Big Ten, 
you know, you're not going to be able to uh, be up here with the upper echelons of teams. And so it's different than Penix because Penix is throwing the football around. Obviously, his age uh, really stands out of how long he's been playing in college football. Uh, the worries about Penix is more of his injuries than more of his play. And so I think with J.J. McCarthy, I say that because of hyping up the game, Armando, with J.J. McCarthy and Penix of trying to hype up because, you know, we are the darlings. We are the focal point when it comes to games. you got to highlight the quarterbacks because we are so smart. We are so athletic. And we <laughs> – and it starts with the quarterback. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'll give you the. I'll. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> Look, uh, I I get it. Quarterback is the thing. Yeah. Let me just say this to you: the team that wins the line of scrimmage in this game is going to win the game. Uh, it happened at right. Michigan, Alabama, and. To a certain degree, it happened in Washington and Texas until late in the second half when Texas right. started to actually get in the game at the line of scrimmage and started to do things. Um, so while the quarterbacks and, you know, Jonathan James is going to be a big focal point, Jonathan James is going to struggle if <laughs> the Michigan offensive line struggles. And by the way, if... If if the Washington center plays like the Alabama center, uh, this is going to be a disaster for Washington. Luckily, they haven't had the chronic center snap problems like Alabama had. But also, by the way, dude, I, I feel like this isn't really real as far as a college football championship game because the, the SEC is not in it. Right, right. Right. I mean, what right. happened? I I believe the last time an SEC team hasn't been in the championship game was like 2014. Yes. I yes. you know, I don't remember past last week. And <laughs> and these guys are 2014 ago. Come on now. Uh so either this was like obviously a down year a bit for the SEC with with Nick Saban not having all his ducks in a row and, you know, nobody else really stepping up and then the quality of the other opponents. So there's, there's the talk out there that regardless of what happens, if Michigan wins, they're going to have to vacate their championship because, um, because the NCAA is going to come down on, on Michigan and, you know, and Jim Harbaugh. And I'm wondering, how does that work in the Michigan locker room? How does that work uh, in the psyche of Michigan? I, I think what it does, it adds more fuel to the preparation. And I, I say that because, I mean, it, it's almost of uh, like they have us versus the world, us versus everyone. And that's the mentality you really got to have. I mean, although on the outside, people look at it and they may laugh because it's like, oh, well, Harbaugh started this. But that's really the mentality you have to have because it seems like every every step that they've made at this particular point, it's always been something negative on the outside. Uh, from the very beginning when Harbaugh was suspended to serving his time, they still won. Now the the scandal with the, the cheating scandal or whatever it may have been, they prevailed that. They continued to win. To Harbaugh being suspended, for the Ohio State game, the Penn State game, um, and I think, I don't know if he set out the Maryland game, but uh, it was still, they prevailed and won that. To playing against Alabama, and that was a setup. And I, I say that, I can laugh about it now, but, but when it happened, I thought about it. From Georgia not being in the fourth spot, from being number one all year, and to not being in the fourth spot, to Florida State winning and not being in that two to three range. And then also to move Texas up and to move Alabama up ahead of both Georgia and, and Florida State. And to set up the game with Michigan versus Alabama was all a setup. It was all a setup because it was like, oh, well, we know Nick Saban will knock him off. 
and that didn't happen. So now the conversation is starting to brew. It's starting to brew because if Michigan wins this, they're, the NCAA is afraid that everyone is going to start, you know, griping about, oh, well, how can they, you know, win and the asterisk and all of this and that they cheated their way to the championship when in actuality they really didn't because the NCAA didn't find anything or it didn't come out uh, as far as what it was. So everyone did their due diligence. And then it all died out because it was almost a wait and see. And we're at the wait and see moment where if if Michigan wins, then the NCAA comes back. But if Michigan loses, there won't be any talk about anything that happened this year. You think the NCAA, if Michigan loses, will say, okay, we're good. And they I, their I, investigation I, just goes away? I don't think that there will be any talk, but besides maybe us talking heads, you know, maybe mentioning it and talking about it a little bit, but I think it dies out. I really think that it dies out because what's going to happen after this, Armando? It's going to be, say if Michigan loses. Michigan loses. It's going to be a whole talk about how their year went. People are going to recap a little bit about the hardball situation and the, the cheating scandal. It'll be a conversation for the next month or so. And everyone will be laughing about it and, you know, kind of glossing over it. In in a month and a half, Harbaugh would have now signed a new contract with an NFL team and became that head coach. So That's now, your prediction. That's your prediction. So, yes. He's gone. Just, because now the conversation will go to Harbaugh being, being a new head coach for whatever NFL team that it may be. The conversation about, you know, the football season in college, it, it'll be more – more talked about, but it'd be more of him leaving. And why did he leave? Why is he leaving? When he, he was trying to leave the last couple of years, it just wasn't the right situation. And so now it's kind of going to go to wherever he lands because they lost. So there's no need to talk about Michigan anymore. Now, if they win, now he signs with a new team, that conversation will go for two months. It'll be for two months. Oh, the asterisk and you know, the whole cheating scandal and now he's leaving the program and running away and, you know, why, why didn't Harbaugh stay and he's got these kids that he recruited. How could he leave and turn his back on them? And, and this conversation will go for too much, but we still won't have any more information that we already have. Interesting. So three things, okay? You mentioned talking heads and included me and I decline to be a part of the talking heads. I am the talking stomach. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm, I prefer to be. The talking, laughing, jiggling belly. Uh, that, that will be me. And by the way, this game will be played in Houston. Mama Nymphas, <laughs> Donovan. Mama Nymphas is the place to go for Mexican food in Houston. Best no Papados? No, oh, no papacitas, papacitas. No, no papacitas. I mean, that's good too, but Mama Nymphas <laughs> and not the one at the Galleria, the original one at downtown. That's the one uh, I just have to say. Number two, Jim Harbaugh, he, I think we both agree he's going to have his chance to go after this season. He hasn't signed that contract extension with Michigan that really like 10-year contract extension there really is basically a one-year contract extension because only for one year does it have what Michigan deems as a, a big buyout to an NFL team uh, and then the rest of the time it doesn't contain that reportedly where does he fit because um, it's either probably going to be the Chargers or the Raiders, and we're going to talk a little bit later on about what the Raiders locker room thinks about Antonio Pierce, but where does he fit better, the Chargers or the Raiders or Michigan in your estimation? That's the thing that I think will be the lasting legacy of this game for Michigan. You know, it's it's funny. Um, and, and the only reason we bring up the Chargers, to be honest with you, because it's in – Southern California, um, they have a franchise quarterback who hasn't done anything yet. Um, they have talent, 
but they can't seem to put it together defensively. Um, and, and I think when people think of Harbaugh, they think going back to California, you know, for after being with the San Francisco 49ers and then going in the Chargers would be a great fit. I don't see the Oakland Raiders, or Oakland, I don't see the Las Vegas Raiders to me being a top choice. I would put the Bears ahead of uh, the the Raiders. And I say that because think of the success that he's, he had when he was in the NFL. He had a mobile quarterback. He had a, a quarterback that was smart. He had a talent around, but it wasn't that big of a talent pool that he had. Uh, and he pulled San Francisco out of where they were for at least six, seven years with Alex Smith where they were kind of the mid part of where they were in that division. Nothing strong, but he changed that whole organization around. And I look at the Bears in that regard because I feel like with Justin with Justin Fields, Justin Fields is a smart quarterback, Justin Fields is an athletic quarterback, and he thinks his offense would be able to change and, and then feature a lot of the talent he had. Plus, they have the number one pick, and they have another uh, another pick a couple of picks later, which I think they'll decide to trade back. So when I look at Harbaugh, I see him, yes, maybe in the, in the Chargers uniform, being able to be the head coach and not going forward on fourth down like your favorite coach, Brandon Staley, um, and having Herbert, if Herbert can stay healthy, I think it kind of works out. But I, I don't see the Raiders being in that regard. And I say that because I think Antonio Pierce has done enough that they will keep him as the head coach unless they get wild by a big name coming in to probably come in and coach. Isn't that Jim Harbaugh? Isn't that a big name? Bill Belichick might be the bigger name. And I don't think, I don't think that they will get enamored by Harbaugh because Harbaugh has been on, on the college level for so long. And so now with being on the college level, he doesn't become that big draw anymore. Like, like he did when he was in the NFL. Fair. Um, so two things. Number one, the Los Angeles Chargers are are rife. They they can they can attract if they can pay, which has always been a, a, a question with the Chargers. Right. They can attract anybody because they have Justin Herbert, who is and has proven to be, and I'm gonna say it, elite. Uh, you know, he hasn't won anything. And that's the only thing that people say about Herbert now. Well, you know, he is, look at his record. Well, you know, look at his coaches. He's been in three different offenses the last three years. And oh, by the way, uh, you know, <laughs> they've, they've basically wasted him. And you mentioned injury. Dude, this guy played through cracked ribs last year and didn't miss a snap so he's a tough but he guy was hurt. but he was yeah hurt. he he played hurt and still balled yeah. out um that is an attraction that the raiders don't have uh you mentioned the bears they may or may not have an opening so uh that is not if they win this weekend i would say to you more likely than not they don't have an opening and they keep Eberflus. Um, and so there's that. And still, even if they have an opening, we'll talk about Justin Fields in a bit, I, I assume, uh, because I'm not a I'm not a fan. And, and really then, you're not. No, I mean, why? Why? Uh, I mean, it's 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 the athleticism. It's, it's the ability that, that we've seen over the last six, six, seven weeks. And then what he's done, and he's had how many coaches in his young career so far. And so it's funny because we can't make the excuses of of the coaches that have been in the carousel out with the Chargers, but we can't do the same thing for Justin or Lamar. I mean, I mean, it's funny because we make excuses for Justin. And this is the thing. Justin has had more weapons than any quarterback that, that's been drafted, I think, in the last four or five years. He's had so many weapons outside the, the offensive line, the running backs, but he just he hasn't won anything. And so 
when we continue to evaluate quarterbacks, winning is more than stats in any of this because you have to win football games. And they can be up, but then it's all of a sudden they find themselves on a losing end. Now, Brandon Staley doesn't help by going for it on fourth down a lot of times. But I look at just I look at Justin Herbert, and I, you know, my thing is what's missing? What's missing? Because to me, he is just he is Trevor Lawrence in a whole shell. Just he and Trevor Lawrence are very similar. But as soon as uh you know, they end up changing their coaching staff down there, then things change for Trevor Lawrence. Is that going to happen with what we see right now with the Chargers? That's the question. Yeah, I wouldn't compare Justin Herbert and and Justin Fields uh, at all. <laughs> you have a guy who's thrown 114 touchdown passes in 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 four years versus a guy who's thrown like 40. <laughs> and but who is who is Justin throwing to? He doesn't have the Mike Williams. He doesn't have the Austin Aculars. He doesn't have all these receivers that he has. He he doesn't have didn't, that. Didn't the Bears like trade for like a former first round wide receiver this year? I mean, DJ, DJ Moore has right? almost eighty some catches, don't he? DJ Moore has has numbers. He has and just they're winning. Like that's the thing is they're playing well the last six seven weeks. Justin Justin Fields was hurt for like three, four weeks. Justin Fields has DJ Moore and he's thrown 16 touchdown passes. Justin Herbert hasn't played in a month and he's got 20. Look who he's throwing to. I mean, come on. I, I mean, first of all, that offense sucks. That offense is awful in Chicago. Which one? Which, Chicago. Oh, okay. yeah, I'm giving you your choice because yeah, the we're not exactly talking about, you know, we can't, the we can't forget who the offensive coordinator is in the Chargers with Kelly Moore, who just had the number one offense for the last couple years. And he has yeah. more weapons with the Chargers. No, he doesn't. Come on. Did no, he get in Dallas? You, he, he, Dallas Didn't had he more weapons. Dallas He's had, had one of the two... best slot receivers. He had one of the best outside receivers in Mike Williams with a deep, deep ball. He has Who's injured all the more. time. Huh? Who's injured all the time? And it... He's... <laughs> He's out. He's been hey. out for two years. Oh, I mean, but still, he, he's got a solid tight end. He's got another young receiver in Palmers that's pretty good. But, I mean, he had more weapons than he did in Dallas. The difference okay. is everybody talked bad about Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott had a bad year last year, but the years before he was putting up numbers. And so it's no different than what I see right now from Justin Herbert. So let me ask you this. If we held a draft tomorrow and Justin Fields and Justin Herbert were in that draft, who do you think gets picked first? <laughs> Who was the higher draft pick? That's the question. Who was the higher draft pick then? Well, one of them went six, and the other one went, I don't remember what Justin Fields went, uh, like 11th or something? Well, he should have been the second pick of the second quarterback taken. Well, that was a terrible quarterback draft, too. <laughs> well, there you it was go. like <laughs> Zach Wilson was the second quarterback taken there that draft. Go. There you go. Right. Oh, boy. And, and then Trey Lance. Oh, boy. Right. <laughs> yeah, that that was not that draft. Even the the guy who is a success in that draft, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he took a step last year, and this year he hasn't taken the next step. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if that was the the draft. Meanwhile, right. the draft that that Justin Herbert was in, uh, you know. Uh, let me see. Um, Tua Tungavailoa, good. Yeah. Joe Burrow, good. Justin Herbert, good. <laughs> uh, I would say to you that was that went well. <laughs> um, it, it went well. It went well. But let's let's go ahead and transition into Tua because Tua's had uh, he had he's had a great two years in my my opinion. Went healthy. He's he's dynamic. J Mike McDaniel's has done. Wonders out there in Miami, surrounding him with great talent after the trade with Tariq Hill and then drafting Waddle. 
Uh, the, to me, when you bring up a Mostert and all these guys from San Francisco, uh, it changes the approach and the preparation for a lot of D coordinators uh, when you're playing the Miami Dolphins. But every good quarterback who plays well has an opportunity to put his chair up to the table. So how much do you pay to a tongue of a Because that contract is coming to the table and you have to ask yourself, is he going to be paid as a top tier quarterback? Is he going to be paid more than Daniel Jones? Will he be paid more than Russell Wilson? This is the question I got to ask you, Armando. Being out there as a Floridian, do you think that they pay to a tongue of a logo? Yes. <laughs> Ah yes. By the way, Florida, where where the the water and the air, uh, we just grow football players. That's what oh. we do. We just grow football players. They come in droves. Um, so Tua is interesting because you mentioned the negative on him, and his agents and he even has said that he's answered the question because for the first time in his career, when he starts on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, that will be the first time in the NFL that he plays all 17 games. And while that doesn't sound like a big deal to you and me, I assure you it's been a huge narrative um, both within and without the Dolphins organization. Without, because the fans go man, where were you last year for the playoffs? Because he didn't play in the playoff game last year because he was hurt. He had the concussion. He didn't play the last, I think, three or four games. And um, this year, inside, inside the organization, they didn't give him the big contract extension like Joe Burrow got, like others got. Uh, Justin Herbert, same draft class, got a big extension. Joe Burrow, same draft class, got a big extension. The Dolphins didn't give that to Tua. Why? Because of their insecurity about his durability. So now Tua has answered that, right? What do the Dolphins do now? Like you said, because at the end of this year, he's going to say, I've arrived. I've answered all your questions. Make me the highest paid quarterback in the NFL and if I'm running the Miami Dolphins I mean let's see how it plays out right if he's taking the Dolphins to the Super Bowl which is entirely possible I'm opening Steve Ross's wallet because I have the keys to it and and the money's gonna just you know drown Tua but if we if the Dolphins finish kind of weak and they're on their way now because they just got giving up a 50 burger to the Ravens and then they don't win this Sunday. And then they go one and done in the playoffs. I'm wondering, yeah. I mean, do I want to really invest in that? Because, because Donovan, the worst thing that you can have in the NFL is a middling quarterback that you're paying like he's elite. The New York Giants did that. It's bad. The New Orleans Saints have done that. It's bad. Um, dude, let me let me just read off some names to you. Can I? Can I? So the top 15 paid quarterbacks this year, right? The top 15 paid quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins. Uh, that didn't work out this year. Derek Carr. No, that didn't work out. Aaron Rodgers, no, that didn't work out. Daniel Jones, no, that didn't work out. Dak Prescott worked out. Matt Stafford worked out. Josh Allen, the Bills love Josh Allen and it's great, but the last month, Josh Allen hasn't played great. Right. Patrick Mahomes, yeah, okay, he's won two Super Bowls. Deshaun Watson, that hasn't worked out. Kyler Murray, okay. Russell Wilson, has that worked out for Denver? I don't know. Jalen Hurts, another guy from the same quarterback class as Tua. Eh, okay. I mean, he went to the Super Bowl last year, but I don't know. Lamar Jackson, so far that's worked out. Justin <coughs> Herbert, eh, I don't know. 
Joe Burrow. Now he's got two uh, season-ending injuries, yes. almost career-ending. Yes. Two season-ending injuries. He's got more durability problems than Tua. So there you go. And, and he's the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. So I'm telling you, it's a hard ask to ask a team to pay a quarterback whose history is good, yeah. not great. Uh, and then and then live with the salary cap ramifications and build a team around him. And then if he doesn't produce, it's a disaster. Well, that's the tough part when it comes to decision making, when it comes to your quarterback, because of the success that, that they've had and, and the progression. Obviously, his winning percentage when he does start, when he starts the game and finishes the game is very high compared to when he's not playing. And we've seen that over the years of any quarterback, when your starting quarterback goes down, your winning percentage takes a hit. Offensively, explosion is just not there. And Tariq Hill took a hit last year, and so did Waddle, when he suffered those injuries. And it's funny you bring that, that class up because the Herberts and the Burroughs, uh, two, two great quarterbacks, but they've been hurt. They have been hurt over the last couple of years, and so has Tua. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of the direction they go in and the stipulations they put in his contract. I think that's more the the conversation of the language that's going to be in, in this contract because of injury for Tua. Now, will the money be up in the 40 range, 35, 38 range? I mean, it possibly could because that's where the, that's where the direction of the quarterbacks are getting paid. Uh, but I think there will be language in his contract about his injuries. And so I, I think that's where the conversation will continue to go. Not so much of as far as the guaranteed money or whatever it may be. It would be more of what language is in his contract and as it does it pertain to his injuries and possible future injuries that he may suffer. Well, let me make it personal for you, right? So if you're Tua Tungavailoa and you know that Joe Burrow is making $55 million a year, and you know that Justin Herbert is making 52, and Lamar Jackson's 52, and Jalen Hurts is, is 51. If the Miami Dolphins say to him, hey, we'll give you 35 or $38 million a year, you happy with that, Tua? Would you be, okay, yeah, that's good, that's fair. I mean, you tell me. Well, I think his agent will start with 50. He'll probably start with about 55, 58 million. Um, But I think what what will kind of go into this whole deal is get that that whole language deal, you know, with suffering injury. I think that will be more of when the guaranteed money comes out. I don't think that he'll be over Joe Burrow and, and Justin Herbert. I think he will be somewhat very close, but I don't think that he will go over what Joe Burrow and also what Justin Herbert got because of the injury aspect of it with him, because it's not so much of an ankle or it's not so much of a finger or wrist or something to that effect. Now it's a concussion and concussions, as we know, that could derail your career, you know, going forward. Uh, but it would be interesting to see kind of, cause this has been a big year for him. He's a pro bowler. Uh, first time pro bowler. I'm sure Miami probably has about three guys on, on their team, four guys on their team that, that rewarding of, of the pro bowl, which I think that's another conversation we probably got to have um, next, or next show of just these pro bowl selections, because there are a lot of people who were off of that first, first team as far as pro bowl is concerned that we didn't expect. So, um, I, I think for Tua, this is something he can go into the non-negotiating table, you know, with winning and taking his lease to his team to the second round of the playoffs. And if he gets to the AFC Championship, oh yeah, my my chair will have big wheels on it, and it'll be motorized as I'm going all around the facility with my pen, waiting to sign my big time contract. On that, we're agreed. Look, production. Uh, makes for promotion and yes. the way that you promote a player is on the depth chart and in the bank account. That's the way Abs- you do it. Absolutely. And, and he's already one that speaks loud as did that money, that right. good old money that crumbles. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank Show you. me the money. Yes, thank you very much for that. Show me the money. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. So, so has Travis Kelsey lived up to the money this year? I was about to let's let's go into speaking of living up to the billing. Uh the Kansas City Chiefs have have found themselves in a little dilemma. They found themselves in a little dilemma because I no longer have any legs. I can't run routes. Uh, I have great hands, but I'm more of a possession receiver at this particular point. And it seems like they can't find any help in Kansas City. And one who we least expected was Travis Kelsey and the way that things have been going. Now, people can blame, well, maybe you should pull back on the Taylor Swift stuff or the outside distractions that he has. Uh, the thing that stands out to me more about, about Travis is he doesn't look inspired out there. Like, you watch him play, his routes aren't crisp. It looks like he's almost jogging at times. He's frustrated. He's not getting the ball, or he's getting the ball, and he's not securing the catch. Do, where do you see this going for, for Kelsey? Now, people have talked about possible retirement. I've, I've heard that conversation um, you know, mentioned not by not by Travis, but I've heard this conversation because his brother's toward the end. He's he's already racked up numbers, which put him up there with the best that have played at the position. Uh, but do you think that this is a year that more is a humbling year for Travis, or is this something that that we might want to kind of just prepare for? That's a that's a crazy scenario that you paint. Because my guess is in a year where uh, he's on every other commercial, in a year where he is dating arguably the biggest pop star, uh, I didn't say pop tart, I said pop star in, uh, in the world, we're asking if he's going to be humbled? Uh my guess is he's not going to feel all that humbled after this season, regardless of how it goes. But the numbers aren't his friend right now. So right. we're one game out of the end of the regular season. He's got 984 receiving yards. And that, in, you know, whether he plays or not on Sunday, Andy Reid has said that it's going to be a conversation because the Chiefs can't do any better than where they're at seating-wise. And so Mahomes isn't playing, and Mahato, uh probably isn't playing, and it's going to be a one-way conversation. That's what Andy Reid said about the status of Travis Kelsey for Sunday. So this would be the first time in seven years that he doesn't go over 1,000 yards. That's that's called a, a, a regression. Um, I would say to you that his receiving yards are down, the lowest since 2015. His um, his receiving yards are the lowest since Mahomes came into the league in 2017. 10.6 yards a catch is the lowest of his career. The previous low was 12.2 yards per catch. Um, and obviously the lowest yards per game since 2015 and only five touchdowns, which is the lowest in like five years, four years. So the question has to be asked, why is he slowing down or, or is he slowing down or is it all these outside interests with the commercials and with what is it? And I'm sure some, the football talking heads that you mentioned uh, that don't include me, because remember, talking belly, um, they're going to say, you know, it's because he doesn't have all the guys around him. And I don't buy that. I don't I, buy that either. Right? Yeah. So what is it? I, I don't I don't buy that he doesn't have all the guys around him, because really the only guy that he had around him at that particular time was, <laughs> was Tariq Hill. Um, and and I, I, I think... Just in general, the offense has taken a hit anyway, and and it's mainly because we like to bring up the receiving core. But to me, I went a little deeper, and I talked about it, uh, I think, our last show or two. Uh, I think they're missing Eric Bieniemy, and Eric Bieniemy's 
uh, game planning and approach and, and play calling and holding people accountable has been missing from this organization. And listen, I, I, I love all the guys in, in that organization. I know all of them. Uh, I've either played under them while they coached with us in Philadelphia or were been a part of what we were doing in my duration in Philly. Uh, but I just think the whole identity is not the same over there in Kansas City. And it's wearing on on Patrick uh, at this particular point because he's used to a norm. He's used to a norm and looking around and having the talent around that, that he can do a lot of different things to. Now, it's not it's not like he's looking around a receiver and he's got uh, Jerry Rice on one end and Chris Carter in the slot and Randy Moss on the other side and turning it, turn it to Barry Sanders. But what they built over there uh, with those guys and those core guys as a, at a young age and what they were able to get out of them, it, it's just not the same. So I think for, for Travis Kelsey at this point, he's just taking a hit of where everyone else is at this point because everyone is going to double-team Travis and allow the other guys to just be one-on-one or be in the zone because it's a 50-50 chance that they catch the ball or not. And they just haven't been the same. So I think for Travis, and we can talk about his outside stuff, which, you know, I don't ever bring any bearings into it because it's not what's on the field. Um, But whenever you continue to show his girlfriend up in the stands, it annoys the watchers. It annoys the viewers. Like, I don't need to see Travis – I don't need to see Travis Kelsey drop a ball or catch a ball, and then we go straight up to Taylor Swift in the box. I don't need to see her hugging his mom or hugging Brittany Mahomes or or high-fiving his boys. I don't need to see that. And a lot of this is on the NFL. The NFL has rode this wave uh, with the Taylor Swift deal like they rode the wave with Carrie Underwood, like they rode the wave with uh, Jessica Simpson, uh, and I lived through that. I went through that whole deal when I was playing because every time we played Dallas and Romo, it was like Carrie Underwood's at the game or Jessica Simpson's at the game and she's clapping. She must be very excited for Tony Romo, you know? And so I just, I just think for everyone is kind of just, uh, everyone's drunk on, on the Taylor Swift drink. I think everybody is just like, okay, that's enough. I'm, I'm really tired of it. And he just hasn't played well, so it doesn't make him look great. Yeah, no, it uh, it would help if he was producing more. And, right. and you bring up a very interesting point. You know, he is the focal point of their passing game, and everybody's going to be double teaming him. But that's right. been the case for years. Right. Uh, the, the, this is not a new thing where people are double teaming Travis Kelsey, uh, at least the smart teams. You know, I remember – I remember one head coach before they played the, the, the chiefs a couple of years ago, I said, so what do you got? And he goes, a huge headache. Uh, I got to cover number 87 and I have no idea how we're going to do it. And we're, you know, he's the problem. And so this has been going on for a while. And Mm -hmm. that Sunday, that team had like two guys on them bracketed the whole time. Right. And he still caught two touchdown passes. Um, so that's a problem, but we're not seeing that this year for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, let me say this about the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know we're talking about Kelsey, but I just want to say this about the Kansas City Chiefs. So in the previous, I would say, two or three years, I was surprised when they weren't in the Super Bowl. Um I was surprised when they didn't win the Super Bowl. Okay. When they lost to Tampa Bay, I expected them to beat Tampa Bay. Um, this year, I'd be surprised if they have success in the playoffs. I'd be surprised if they go to the Super Bowl. Uh, it it has it has gone 180 degrees, and I know they won 10 games and all that, and they won a division where two of the coaches were fired in season and you know a star quarterback was fired uh two weeks ago so i'm not sure that winning that division is this (laughs) you know i'm not sure that that's that's a great accomplishment it's a good accomplishment but there are mitigating circumstances i'm just not all that impressed by the chiefs right now and and i feel sad because 
They are a very well-coached team, but their talent on the outside at the playmaker spots, not not uh, not doing it this year. Just not doing you know, it. You know what's wild is the pairings may work in their favor. And I look at it, Miami, Miami beats Buffalo. That knocks Buffalo out, right? If other things happen, Buffalo can still be in. But major, much, much more of Buffalo might be out. And Cincinnati being out. And, you know, the two teams right now that, that I look at in the AFC that possibly could be more of a challenge, and it depends on the location to me, would be the Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens. Those are the two teams that I look at in the, in regards of of who would be able to challenge more of the Kansas City Chiefs. Because I still, with Patrick Mahomes, and even with Travis Kelsey in the year that he has, I still I still have them there because their defense has played very well. And that's the thing about it is no one talks about their defense and how strong their defense is. And I think Travis and Patrick can really figure things out, you know, in a sense, because I've watched them in, at both both Super Bowls in Miami and then here in Arizona. I, I don't think I've seen practices ran like that between those two and, and the receivers and, and the, the way that they approach. It's the same in which we've had it. But I just watch Patrick and watch watch Travis. A lot of times, Travis won't run the full route. He'll get a feel of where the safeties and linebackers are and stop the, the route. And, and the ball is gone. Patrick knows. He, he has that feel. So that connection that they have will be interesting to see. I think this is a team that possibly can get into the second round of the playoffs and challenge whoever it is that they're playing and with a little bit of luck make it back to the AFC Championship. I do. I, I see this team going back to the AFC Championship. Now, Super Bowl, you need a lot of luck. You need a lot of luck to make it to the Super Bowl, but I think they get back to the AFC Championship. All right. Um, we'll see. I mean, I'm... I, Come I'm on, just... Armando. You got the Fila hoodie on. You're bringing <laughs> back Grant Hill. Your Fila's now. Every, every, you see a lot of the girls wearing some of the Fila shoes. Let's bring back... Hey! The- <laughs> <laughs> um, so we mentioned the other teams in that division. So yesterday, Devontae Adams goes, my guy is Antonio Pierce. And I'm not surprised because players always endorse the guy who's present. And right now, Antonio Pierce is present. But if I didn't mishear, if I didn't miss mistake, I think you said earlier that you believe that Antonio Pierce should be the head coach. In, and you heard that Vegas. correctly. You heard that correctly because I think he's deserving of the opportunity of coaching the Raiders next year. And we can talk about the big names that they can go after, the splash names of the Harbaugh's, the Belichick, depending on what happens in New England. I think another name that will be brought up, not only with the Raiders, uh, but also with the Chargers, will be the uh, offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. His name will be brought into the hat. Um, you know, there are, there are a few younger coaches that are now coordinators that will be thrown into the hat. But I, I just think for Antonio Pierce, the, the mystique, the, the attitude, uh, the vibe, the vibe that the Raiders have right now with Crosby, uh, with Jacobs, with Devontae, uh, that defense, Antonio brings a grit. He brings a little bit of attitude that it's a, you know, hey, you step up, I'm going to punch you in your mouth. And then when you get back up, I'm going to kick you in your throat. Uh, and, and that type of approach and mentality has rubbed off on his team. And that's something that you just can't go out and think you can look for with a big name and be like, oh, well, he's going to bring that same attitude. No, I think he's rewarding of it. And they're making change out there in Vegas with their GM, with their president, everybody. And I think they're going to continue to go down this path and reward Antonio with the, with the opportunity to coach him. Okay. I mean, look, I wasn't surprised that Devontae Adams endorsed Antonio Pierce because of all, all the teams that I've ever covered that fired a coach uh, midseason, yeah. the players always, always, not once did it, did it change. At the end of the season, they were always saying the interim guy should be the guy. The right. interim guy should be the guy. 
And then I, I leave the locker room and I look at the interim guy's record and it's why, why? Um, and Antonio Pierce is four and four. Right. So uh, all that grit and all that vibe, 500. Uh, and he got that big jump and that big bump early that we talked about, uh, you know, when he first got the job and right. everybody's all fired up that their coach isn't uh, Josh McDaniels. And he won the first two. And then he lost three in a row. And this last week, with the playoffs on the line, he lost to Indy. And he lost the game three to nothing. And, I, you know, if if you give me I, – I think he should absolutely go through the interview process. Right. But I, going 500 to me is good. It's not – you must give me this job good. And so I, I think it's a, now you got to win the interview. You got to beat whoever else is going to interview for that job. I will say this, two of the candidates that they may consider if they're available and they want to, Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick, weirdos. Those guys are just different. Antonio Pierce is a regular dude. Right. I mean, he's right. a person. Those other two guys are strange. Uh, they they're they're strange. Yeah, I, people, I, people I, may I, say people may say uh, the owner's strange, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know. <laughs> I mean, is that really you hired Josh McDaniels because he was Bill Belichick? junior and yeah. so now you want to hire the real bill belichick uh and he's got a by the way he's got a history of hiring strange yeah because yes because uh so uh, josh mcdaniel is kind of strange yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah and and before that you know uh what was it john um john gruden john gruden Nice on television, but kind of strange. Hey. Uh, so he he gravitates to strange. Uh, maybe that's a that's that's a problem from Antonio Pierce. He's not strange enough for for the Raiders. Oh God, bro. Well, let's make sure we keep it non-strange or Doctor Strange in regards for for Armando, who definitely is a Marvel Marvel guy. You gotta gotta make sure you're watching the marvel as it continues to grow but tune us in come on back to the five spot we'll be back again next week we got a lot to talk about a lot of big games happening this this weekend with a lot on the line so make sure you tune in here for the five spot